I'm Dan. I'm Elaine. And this is Sublime True Crime. If you don't want to listen to us rambling on, jump to five minutes into the podcast. That's where the main story starts. Bugger me sideways, two episodes in a row. Oh my god. So what have we done for this past week? Oh, Christmas shopping. Yeah, work and Christmas shopping, that's been about it. Yeah, and I say Christmas shopping, it's been all online. <laughs> it has all been online. Um, Amazon have recently announced that Jeff Bezos is now almost a trillionaire. That's mostly down to us, I think. I think, yeah. <laughs> the amount of shit that we've ordered from Amazon, I really need to stop using it. I don't like Amazon. No, I That's know. All. It's too easy, that's the problem. Oh, I know, I know. You'd lay there in bed at night, you click a button, stuff arrives the next day. Yeah. It's too tempting. Yeah. I should get over my love of getting stuff quickly and actually go and use someone that's decent and takes longer to deliver. So should you. <laughs> hey, no, I, I can be really um, virtuous here because I went to a local shop to buy all my Christmas cards. You do, actually. You do ago. like supporting the local shops. I you? do. Stuff like that. Goody two-shoes. I like yeah. doing that. And that's my excuse for ordering loads of cream teas over lockdown <laughs> to be deserved. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm supporting the local economy. <laughs> yeah, you found a couple of cracking... No, was it two different ones that you chose that you use? So there was, there's a couple of cream tea delivery services based in and around the Wirral. And you had them for your parents' anniversary and for bits and pieces like that. And to be fair, they were lovely, weren't they? Truffle bees. Oh, yeah. I used the, yeah, I used truffle bees for us locally and then I used another company, which unfortunately I can't name because I can't remember what they're called. But for my sister, because I <laughs> can't sent... Can't name for legal reasons. No, I just can't remember. <laughs> can't remember. Uh, for my sister, because I sent my sister and her family a cream tea for my birthday. That's right. Well, they wouldn't have been Wirral both, would they? No. Been up in... They'd been Lancashire. Lancashire. Lancashire, yes. That was my birthday because I was right in the midst of lockdown for my birthday, so I ordered cream teas for all my family so we could all have a virtual cream tea. <laughs> you say that like not everyone has had that this year. Actually, I didn't have. My my you birthday didn't. was pre-lockdown. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you, bitch. Anyway, moving on. We have got a lovely review, which was a couple of weeks ago, actually. And this is from Irish Ed Shea. Hey, guys. I've just started listening to your podcast and I'm binging on this. I love the relationship between you both. Reminding me of me and my partner. We both love a drink. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Ah. Hold on a second. <laughs> Do you know what, actually thinking of it, when we recorded the first lot of episodes way back when, we always used to have a drink on the go. We did. It's tea at the moment. We're doing it in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, the maybe weekend. that's why we haven't done it. Maybe we need to stop. Maybe we need to do it in the evening yeah. with a drink on the go. We'll be more inspired to do it. it might well be. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. We do. We love a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and he's being told off by his doctor for COVID weight. Yeah, join the club. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm getting even podgier. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I love the mixture of fun and frolics and doom and gloom. At first, I was apprehensive about the length of your show, but I love your personal intro. You have, and yet, short story of the tale, and you do it well. Well done, and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. That's lovely. If you'd like to leave us a review, and we would love you to leave us a review, if we're honest, you can do that at sublimetruecrime.com forward slash rate. Um, we will do our best to read out the five-star reviews on the podcast wherever we can. Feel free to leave us a one-star review if you want to, but quite frankly, we will curse you and your families, and we will not read it out. So, I'll be gutted, secretly. We did get a one-star review, didn't we? We did. We got a horrible review. A one-star review, and it was... Um, it said we'd read off Wikipedia. Oh, fuck you, <laughs> bastard. We took fucking hours researching this. Citation needed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but considering it's a hobby... <laughs> considering it's a hobby, considering it's free, considering it takes fucking ages to do each episode... Yeah, nice reviews are very much appreciated. The horrible ones, not so much. You can keep those ones to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's right it, but, you know, put it in writing and then wipe your ass with it. As my mum would say, if you haven't got anything nice to say. 
Right, this week, this is one of your episodes that you've been up. It is, and it took me hours, literally hours, over several weeks. <laughs> I lost count of the amount of times that you said to me, oh, I'm almost done, I've almost finished this. Oh, I've just found something else out, I need to add this in. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? It's one of those, it's an extremely well-known case in the UK. Mm. Extremely well-known. So therefore, there's probably nothing in here that you haven't already heard. But this is our own personal take on it. It is an interesting tale. I enjoyed going through it when I read it. We haven't got a title for the show this week. No. I wanted to do something about Mother of the Year Award, but you said <laughs> sarcasm doesn't come across in titles. It doesn't. It would have to be You're Not Going to Win Mother of the Year Award. Yes. Which is a bit too long. And... It's a bit long. Do you want to tell them what case it is? It's the case of Shannon Matthews. If you don't know this case, I'm amazed because it is really well known. If you listen to other True Crime podcasts, it's been covered off plenty of places, but it is a fascinating thing to go through. So, the case of Shannon Matthews, over to you. February the 19th, 2008, West Yorkshire Police receives a call at 6.48pm to report a nine-year-old schoolgirl had failed to come home after school. I'm just going to stop you there. So, 2008, this is when my eldest child would have been eight years old. So, I was when I was reading it, it really struck a call with me because my kid was about the same age. Yeah, I can imagine. Sorry, go on. Oh, my eldest was only three at this point. Tiny baby. Last seen at ten past three outside Westmore Junior School in Dewsbury Moor, Yorkshire, a mere half a mile from her home, Shannon Matthews had disappeared. Her mother's call to police sparked the largest police investigation in Yorkshire since the Yorkshire Ripper case 30 years previously. I've said this about previous cases, but it really is hard to put over just how much coverage this got in the UK press at the time. The story was absolutely everywhere. It was. And on a side note, Yorkshire Ripper died recently. Fuck you, arsehole. <laughs> Led by Detective Superintendent Andy Brennan, more than 200 police officers were assigned to a massive search for Shannon, and they were joined by around 200 volunteers, many from the housing estate where Shannon lived. If anything brings a community together, it is a missing child, or arguments about Brexit. They don't bring a community together as much as split them asunder. Oh, I know plenty of communities that have been brought together by Brexit. Really? Yeah. The police hunt cost a total of £3.2 million, which is just mind-boggling. There was a real sense of the Moorside community coming together to find one of their own at the time. Residents printed their own t-shirts and posters and helped with search parties. Meanwhile, against police advice, Karen Matthews spoke to the press and made a plea for whoever had Shannon to please let her go. Now, this is my first query of the case. If the police told you to do something or not do something because they felt it was better for your lost nine-year-old, you would do whatever they said, right? Regardless if you disagreed or not, these guys know what they're on about. Yeah, I would assume that if I was being told by the police not to do something, that I would not want to do it, Mm. to put my nine-year-old daughter in jeopardy. Yeah. Police had at first thought that Shannon might have just run away from home. They found a scribbled note on her bedroom wall. On her bedroom wall? I suppose pinned to her bedroom wall. She was just right on the wall. She might have done. (laughs) She might have done. They found a scribbled note on her bedroom wall saying that she wished to see more of her natural father, Leon Rose. Karen Matthews and her latest partner, Craig Meehan, were adamant that Shannon would not run away. Now, you said latest partner. I'm assuming there were many. I kind of got that impression. Karen Matthews told a press conference she believed someone was holding her nine-year-old daughter, saying that Shannon's disappearance had broken her family apart and told how she cried herself to sleep at night and could not go into her daughter's bedroom. In a direct plea, she said, quote, If you have Shannon, will you please let her go? End quote. In nearby Huddersfield, Shannon's father, Leon Rose, 
said not knowing about Shannon's whereabouts was killing him. He said he was going out looking for his daughter every day and was finding it hard to tell her brother that she'd not yet been found. Quote, every time I come home, and obviously he sees the look on my face, that I've been unsuccessful because I haven't found her. But I've reassured him, you know, the one thing's for sure, that we will find her. I don't know how, but we will. End quote. The Sun newspaper, fucking newspaper. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you've ever called it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, not a newspaper. Offered a reward of £20,000 for information leading to Shannon's safe return. Karen Matthews made several media appearances begging for the safe return of her daughter, but the media didn't really take to Karen Matthews. Well, she's no Kate and Jerry McCann, that's for sure. The Guardian journalist Roy Greenslade wrote at the time, quote, overarching everything is social class, end quote. Oh, true. Comparisons were made to the media reaction to the disappearance of Madeleine McCann a year before. Oh, there we go. The independent newspaper stated, quote, Kate and Jerry McCann had a lot. There were a couple of nice middle-class doctors on holiday in an upmarket resort. Karen Matthews is not as elegant, nor as eloquent, end quote. Well, it's a big difference when someone's kid goes missing, doesn't it? What social class you're in? It does. makes a huge difference. And, oh my God, if, if um, we have any listeners from abroad, you cannot underestimate at all how much class plays a role in this type of media circus. Which is ironic because a lot of the British, certainly the tabloids, are bought by the, the working class that they're putting down. I know. Police compiled a full DNA profile of Shannon to help with the search of locations where Shannon was last seen. They had behavioural experts, mountain rescue teams and scientists on board helping to trace Shannon. On 12th of March, the Radio 4 Today programme asked Karen and her partner about suggestions by Karen's parents that Mian, the boyfriend, had been violent towards Shannon. They also questioned Karen having seven children by at least five fathers. Two of the children were registered as having unknown fathers. In this day and age, that's practically a qualification to be Prime Minister. <laughs> it really is. The Sun newspaper... And I really hesitated to use the word newspaper in relation to that scummy rag. ...raised this reward to £50,000. Shannon had been missing for 20 days at this point. Karen told Press that she thought someone known to the family had abducted Shannon in order to get at her, but that she had still not given up hope. It's a weird thing to say, it isn't is. it? It is. Then, on the 14th of March, 2008... Shannon Matthews was found alive. But where was she? And who had been holding her? Shannon was hidden in the base of a divan bed at Michael Donovan's flat in Lydgate Gardens, Batley Car, following a tip-off from a member of the public. Wait a minute, you cry. Who the hell is Michael Donovan? Well, this is where the case gets really interesting. Michael Donovan is not just some random stranger who abducted a child off the streets. Shannon Matthews knew him because he is the uncle of her current stepfather, Craig Meehan. And let's have a look at Shannon's background first. Born on the 9th of September 1998, Shannon Louise Matthews was the third child in the family. Initially, she was cared for by her grandparents, June and Gordon, for the first few months of her life, as her mother, Karen Matthews, was struggling to cope. Even when Shannon went to live with her mother, she still frequently spent time with her grandparents, as Karen was often too distracted watching daytime TV and playing computer games to focus on her children. Shannon was one of Karen's seven children by five different fathers. And I don't like to judge because sometimes circumstances work out that way, but seven kids to five different men, that does take some doing. It really does, doesn't it? Karen's friend Natalie, a mum of six, lived two doors away from Matthews and her partner Craig Meehan on Dewsbury's Moorside estate. The pair had been close for years, 
and Natalie knew better than anyone the chaotic life of her friend. Karen herself was a product of a turbulent childhood. She was one of seven siblings and her own mother, June, who struggled to cope with her children to the extent that Karen and her siblings were placed into social care or sent to relatives to live until June was able to cope again. As an aside, I've been doing my family tree recently and fuck me, does it make it messy looking when there's so many kids? And I say that as a father of four myself, or by the one mother, by the way. Um, I can only imagine the Matthews family tree closely resembles a plate of spaghetti. There's so many <laughs> branches to it. Yes. By this time, Karen was then bringing up four of her own seven children, while three lived elsewhere, which is an echo of her own childhood, rather with her being the mother who was now struggling to cope. Natalie later said, quote, Karen was out on her own from being 15 or 16 and didn't see much of her parents. She never really got told how to socialise, how to deal with certain situations. Any attention, she lacked it up. She couldn't see when people were using her and taking advantage. She got talked into a lot of things by people who she thought were her friends, end quote. She never got told how to socialise, how to deal with certain situations, or how to use her condom, by the sounds of it. On the 14th of March 2008, at 12.30 in the afternoon, police burst into a flat in Lydgate Gardens' Batley car, a mile away from the Dewsbury estate. The flat belonged to Michael Mick Donovan, also known as Paul Drake. Now... I can't speak for everyone, but generally people don't have two entirely different names. No. No, when you said to me the guy's got two names, I thought you meant originally he's known as Michael and Mick. But yes. no, Michael Donovan and Paul Drake. Yeah. Weird. It's a bit of a change. Mm. Michael Donovan was born Paul Drake, but according to the standard, he changed his name in honour of the Australian singer Jason Donovan. See, that makes no sense. I've no idea where Michael's come from, from Jason Donovan. <laughs> It might have been another Australian band. Paul Drake takes the title of most siblings in this podcast episode, as he was the youngest of nine siblings, born and raised in the Dewsbury area. He had learning difficulties and attended a special school, Hartshead Moor, where he was allegedly bullied. His sister Jeanette said that she remembered him telling stories and fantasising about being someone else. He had his first brush with the law aged just 11 years old when he was put before the juvenile courts on counts of arson and shoplifting, for which he was sent to an attendance centre. At 16, he was convicted of causing criminal damage. Following this, he ran away from home and he did not return. Age 19, he changed his name to Michael Donovan. He met Susan Bird while receiving psychiatric treatment and they married and had two daughters. They later divorced with Susan claiming he had a drug problem and was violent. His children were taken into care following allegations that he had made them watch him have sex with sex workers. His daughter's teachers had also alerted social services that they had found love letters from him to one of his daughters inside the girl's lunchbox in school. What? I know. Following a failed attempt to regain custody, Donovan picked his daughter up from school one day and drove her to Blackpool, booking into a bed and breakfast hotel with her under false names. It only took three days for police to be alerted and for him to be arrested. Only? Only three days. Only three days. Bizarrely, the case against him was brought to Bolton Crown Court and then dropped as the prosecution offered no evidence. His neighbours in Lydgate Gardens described him as an oddball owner who was obsessed with his car. Overall, he just has the impression of an oddball. Back to Shannon's discovery. During a search of the property, Shannon Matthews was found hidden in the base of Devan Bed. She was alive, although frightened, crying and even worse, drugged. Mick was 39 years old and was arrested immediately on suspicion of abduction following a struggle with police. According to some reports, he was found in the other drawer space of the divan bed next to Shannon. 
Shannon was carried from the property in a policeman's arms. She was placed under police protection and cared for by the social services department. This was due to the police exercising their powers under Section 46 of the Children Act 1989, which allows police to keep a child in police protection for 72 hours. Is that all? Mm -hmm. She met briefly with her mother and stepfather, according to some sources, but was kept with social services whilst being interviewed by police investigators. Alarm bells ringing, anyone? Yes. So why wasn't Shannon returned to her mother Karen and stepfather Craig Meehan? Well, things weren't as they should be. Craig Meehan was arrested on April 2nd on suspicion of possessing indecent images of children. This was unrelated to Shannon Matthews, but he was charged with 11 counts of possessing child pornography. This was relating to 49 images ranging from level 1 to level 4 found on his computer after it was seized from the house where he and Karen lived during the investigation into Shannon's disappearance. Now, the levels referred to go from 1 to 10, with 1 being the least indecent, level 4 is being described as deliberately posed pictures of children fully clothed, partially clothed or naked, where the amount, context and organisation suggest sexual interest. Mm. Fuck knows what level 10 is then. Don't you, want to you go don't there, want to do know. You do not want to know. He was sentenced to 20 weeks imprisonment on the 16th of September 2008, but then he was released as he had already spent longer on remand than the length of the sentence given. As for Karen, well, she wasn't the innocent victim she'd been playing. When Shannon first vanished, her younger brother and sister were taken to stay with their grandparents by social services. This was to allow Karen to focus on Shannon's disappearance. Apparently, though, Karen took this opportunity to go shopping for a (laughs) sat-nav. Barry South, the divisional commander of policing in Dewsbury during the investigation said of Karen's behaviour at the time, quote, I remember thinking whether she was autistic because she was laughing and smiling. Immediately, I thought, something's not right with this woman, end quote. Karen's friend Natalie was also aware that something was very wrong with the situation. Quote, The first day Shannon was reported missing, I saw it in her eyes. She had this look, did Karen, where she wanted to tell you something, but what came out of her mouth was different. Straight away, my gut was telling me that something wasn't right. Karen was carrying on with normal stuff, tidying up the house. It was as if Shannon had just gone to her friends, end quote. Natalie went on to talk about the day after Shannon had disappeared. Quote, It was like a normal day at Karen's. Her and Craig were laughing, joking, playing computer games like I'd just popped in for a brew. This is, of course, alongside the worrying fact that Karen was going against police advice for her not to talk to the media, as it could imperil her daughter's life. Allegedly, the teddy bear that she clutched on televised interviews didn't even belong to Shannon, and her use of the phrase beautiful princess daughter was not something she'd ever usually used. She even told reporters she only had six children at one stage. Although, to be fair, she has that many. Maybe she lost count? We're sure she's like our current Prime Minister. Boris in disguise. Mm. <laughs> if I had to say what I called my children as being like, you know, terms of endearment. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, get, they'll get called monkey bone then. Yeah. All sorts. I do say poppet quite a lot as well. Like little poppets. Do you? Yeah. I don't think you do. I do two of them. Do you? Yeah. All my kids got nicknames growing up. Yeah. Yeah, but um, all cute ones. Nowadays, they're all teens and older. They've got far different nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> On the 17th of March, Mick Donovan was charged with the offences of kidnapping and false imprisonment. The following day, following accusations made by Mick Donovan, Karen Matthews was interviewed under caution. 
she denied any involvement with Shannon's abduction. During this time, police were taking a very gentle approach with Shannon Matthews. She was only being questioned for about 10 minutes each day. I can only imagine how traumatic the whole experience was. She's nine years old at this point. Imagine. Early in April, everything starts really coming together for the investigative teams. Craig Meehan is arrested for the previously mentioned indecent images of children on the 2nd of April. The next day, Shannon sees her mother Karen for the first time since the abduction, or the second time depending on what you read. She spends three hours with her during the afternoon. Then, on the 6th of April, while Mick Donovan is in hospital receiving treatment following himself harming, Karen Matthews is arrested by police in Dewsbury. The reason for Karen's arrest, suspicion of perverting the course of justice. Following extensive questioning, Karen Matthews appears in court and is charged two days later, not just with perverting the course of justice, but also with child neglect. Bloody hell. It is around this time that it comes to light that the McCann family were asked for money to help with the finding of Shannon. Tensions were now running high on the Dewsbury estate where Shannon had lived. Unsurprisingly, with the arrest of family members, particularly Shannon's own mother being remanded in custody, Neighbours and people who joined the search were feeling confused and angry. The atmosphere was so bad that police arranged for leaflets to be circulated on the estate, warning people not to take the law into their own hands, stating, quote, Please do not take the law into your own hands and leave police to do their job. It is important that the community does not jump to any conclusions about people who may be involved in this inquiry, end quote. Can you imagine how betrayed you would feel if you'd been taking time out to search for a missing child worrying about them and doing all you could to help the investigation. Oh, you'd want to kill them. Really would. The investigation continued. In September 2008, Karen Matthews faced new charges, those of kidnap and false imprisonment. Meanwhile, Craig Meehan was also up in court, where he was convicted of child pornography possession. He actually claimed that the 134 images that were found on his computer were nothing to do with him. I wonder how they got there. Mm. There feels like a lot to unravel in this case, so how does it all come about? It would appear that Karen Matthews had seen the money flooding into the Madeleine McCann fund and wanted a slice of the public's generosity for herself. She selected Shannon, the most photogenic and attractive of her children. <laughs> she, <laughs> Fucking hell. Gee, thanks, Mum. Say the other kids. <laughs> I'm too ugly to be used. <laughs> During the court case... There were many accusations and counter-accusations flung between Karen Matthews and Michael Donovan. Yet it seems clear that the two of them had come to an agreement to stage an abduction, claim the reward money the press would put up, and they could split this between themselves. Rumours also circulated at the time that Karen Matthews was planning to leave Craig Meehan and run off with his uncle, Michael Donovan. Cool. The whole thing just screams class, doesn't it? It really does, doesn't it? Either way, the end result was that Shannon was kept at Donovan's flat, lured there by the promise of a trip to the seaside, where she was then restrained and drugged for 24 days. During the court proceedings, a forensic toxologist told the court that tests upon Shannon had revealed that she'd had temazepam and travel sickness medication in her system. Even worse, there was evidence that the drugs had been used for a while, so this wasn't just a one-off by any means. In fact... Tests on Shannon's hair showed she'd been given to Mazepan for up to 20 months before she disappeared. Bearing in mind how strong drugs like Mazepan are, and that they are not usually prescribed to children, how on earth could her mother and, and Michael know what a safe dose was? So fucked up. 
Shannon spent much of her time cooped up in the one room where she was tied to a roof beam using a strap. Some reports state that Donovan used an elasticated strap with a noose at the end. Which is just totally fucked up when you consider that the poor girl was also being drugged. What if she'd fallen? She could have died of strangulation. So I read that and assumed it would have been done in such a way that she could lay down and not get very far like a dog on a lead. Either way, it's still really dangerous. And how traumatic for a child as well. Oh, God. Oh, don't. Shannon was kept in the bedroom where Michael Donovan's own two children had previously slept prior to them being taken into care before the kidnapping plan was concocted. Police found a list of rules that Shannon had to follow in the bedroom where she was kept. They stated, quote, You must not make any noise or bang your feet. You must not go near the windows. You must not get anything or do anything without me being here. Keep the TV volume only up to eight or lower. You can play the Super Mario games and you can play some DVDs and you can play the CD music. Signed, IPU. IPU stands for I Promise You, which is apparently a threat that Karen Matthews used to say to Shannon. Now, again, that is horrible. When I usually say to my children, I promise you, as in, if we're going to have a nice treat, then I promise you we will definitely have this treat. And if I say, I promise you, it means it will definitely, definitely happen. Yeah. They used to say, whenever I said maybe, it meant no. (laughs) But if I said, I promise you, it was a good thing. Yeah. Not a shit thing. The trial of Michael Donovan and Karen Matthews began on 12th of November 2008. It lasted until the 4th of December the same year. During the trial, Donovan claimed that Karen Matthews had first offered him money to look after Shannon and then shifted to threatening him. His QC, Alan Conrad, claimed that rather than Donovan being an evil monster, as labelled by the media... He was actually, quote, a pathetic individual, vulnerable, unsophisticated and weak in body and mind, end quote. <laughs> and he's on his side. Oh, fuck it out. <laughs> Who needs friends, right? Donovan also denied the accusations that he, his sister, nephew and niece were involved in the plot to profit from Shannon's disappearance. His niece, 25-year-old Amanda Hyatt, who is Craig Meehan's sister, had been arrested on the 4th of April 2008 on suspicion of assisting an offender. Her mother, Alice Meehan, aged 49, was also arrested on suspicion of attempting to pervert the course of justice. They were released on bail the same day, but then were re-arrested, along with Craig Meehan's other sister, Caroline, on the 10th of April. Again, they were bailed before all being released without charge. There's an awful lot of uh, family involvement going on here, though. Really is, isn't there? And now, I'm, I've never planned or committed a crime that I'm aware of. I don't speed. But if I was to plan something really nasty, I wouldn't be going around getting loads of people to gag you on it. So no, you know, I'm going to kidnap a kid. What do, what do you think? Yeah, oh, do you want to help? Yeah. Have you yeah. got any ideas? Meanwhile, Matthews entered the witness box on November 27th to give evidence and immediately burst into tears. She claimed that she was disgusted because she had nothing to do with Shannon disappearing. According to Karen Matthews, Mina told her to take the blame, and she did because she was scared of him. Julian Goose, the QC for the prosecution, said that Karen Matthews had lied repeatedly about her daughter's disappearance. Apparently, she told the police a total of five different versions about Shannon going missing. The plan to claim the reward was for Donovan to take Shannon to Dewsbury Market, release her and then find her. Then he would take her to the police station to claim the reward. He and Karen would then split the reward. Mm, Yeah, because a drugged up nine-year-old girl whose face has been plastered all over the local and national press wandering around a busy marketplace would definitely not be seen by anyone else before Donovan found her again. I do agree that neither of the brightest sparks. On the 4th of December, the jury, consisting of seven men and five women, 
took six hours to find Karen Matthews and Michael Donovan guilty on all charges. The charges were of kidnap, false imprisonment and perverting the course of justice. The verdict was reached unanimously. It took until 23rd of Jan for the sentencing to occur at Leeds Crown Court. When it does, they are sentenced to eight years in prison. Judge Mr Justice McComb, it's not a very judgy name. I thought it was quite good actually. Said, quote, the offences that you committed were truly despicable. It's impossible to conceive how you could have found it in you to put this young girl through the ordeal that you inflicted upon her. It is incomprehensible that you could have permitted your friends, neighbours, and in your case, Matthews, even your children, to sacrifice time and energy in extensive searches for the supposedly missing child, end quote. He went on to express doubts that the pair could have planned and executed the scheme without the help of others. Quote, Having regard to their low intellect, it must be doubtful whether they could have conceived or continued these offences without the assistance or connivance of others. The pre-sentence report in Matthew's case comments that neither defendant seems to have the cognitive ability to devise and orchestrate such an elaborate offence with any degree of likelihood of success. End quote. What a burn. I know, right? <laughs> You're too thick to even carry out what you were thinking about doing. <laughs> Talking about Shannon's ordeal, the judge pointed out that although Shannon was not hurt physically, it was unlikely that she was not emotionally disturbed by the experience. Quote, it is clear as a matter of common sense that it must have been highly disturbing to a nine-year-old child to be removed suddenly from her normal environment without knowing when, if at all, she will be returned. She appeared to relive her experiences and she often complained of having nightmares where she's been tied up. End quote. Unsurprisingly, he felt that she would need to have psychotherapy to help her cope with the trauma. Not bloody surprised, are you? No. Despite the judge's comments about how Matthews and Donovan's were not mentally capable of planning the abduction between just the two of them, the case has been closed. Detective Superintendent Andy Brennan said, quote, If new evidence comes to light, it will of course be investigated. We considered all the evidence, including what Shannon said, with the CPS, and concluded that there was not sufficient evidence to charge anybody else. End quote. He also said that Karen Matthews had totally betrayed her daughter and was pure evil. Members of Karen Matthews' family are disgusted by her involvement. Towards the end of the trial, her sister, Julia Poskett, said that Karen was, quote, a bad mother. She's not normal, is she? You have kids and you love them. I'm ashamed of my family and thinking what people out there might think of me knowing it's my sister, end quote. Karen's older brother was equally damning, stating, quote, She's just degraded my family, to be honest, and made a mockery of everybody, end quote. Amanda Hyatt, Craig Meehan's sister, was jailed in 2009 for an unrelated benefit fraud charge. Stay classy. Michael Donovan was released from Her Majesty's Prison Leeds in 2012 after serving half of his eight-year sentence. Karen Matthews served half of her eight-year sentence and was released in April 2012. The authorities gave Karen a new name to use when dealing with the public. She was not deemed mentally capable of adopting a new identity fully, though. She still uses her real name when dealing with officials. She has been relocated to the south of England. She's so thick, she can't adopt a new identity. Yeah. So she has to use two. I thought that would have been harder. Yeah. Shannon Matthews was given a new identity and went to live with a foster family. Her grandparents, Gordon and June, went to court to try to gain custody of Shannon and her siblings, but were told that they were too old. They were given occasional updates on her progress from social services, but no contact was allowed. And that makes me sad. That whole thing has just ripped the whole family apart. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming all the, the kids have been fostered separately. 
Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, the stigma as well of being part of that family, you can understand why they've wanted to put her into a, into a foster family, I suppose, but her grandparents had, had been there since mm. birth for her. And that is the case of Shannon Matthews. What are your thoughts? It's such a horrible little case, isn't it? It is horrible. Granted, no one died, but there's so much fallout from it. You can't help but think the psychological implications for all of the children in that family will be going on for decades. Yeah. Because the trauma of having your sibling disappear and the whole furore of the police case and all the rest of it going on around it and then to find out that actually your mother was involved. You can let us know your thoughts. You can email us, dan at sublimetruecrime.com or elaine at sublimetruecrime.com. Or you can reach us via the Facebook page. Just search for Sublime True Crime. And if you are enjoying the series, please leave us a review. Preferably a five-star one, please. As it helps us to reach more people and we are little attention whores and we love it. You speak for yourself. <laughs> no, I'm an attention whore too. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a review, you can do that at sublimetruecrime.com forward slash rate. We'll do our best to read out the five-star reviews on the podcast where we can. If you can think of any cases that you would like us to cover, please let us know. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.